Father, this morning we just come to you. The author, the perfecter of our faith. Everything you began and you begin, you begin by faith. And everything in us has to begin in faith. Even this morning, Father, I speak your word that you have given me by faith. And I pray, your children, we will hear your voice. We will believe. We will obey. For it is written, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We want to please you, Lord. I believe that's why we have come here. We want to please you. Teach us. Speak to us. The entrance of your word brings light. And I pray, Lord, that light will come. That our understanding would be enlightened. That we would have clarity in this walk, O Master. Help us. Speak to us. Touch our ears. Touch our heart. Touch our walk. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 As we continue our study and our fast, we are on our 35th day of our fast. But like I said last Sunday, remember the difference. Fast is neutral. The enemy uses fasting. God also uses fasting. And just like I said, you have seen till this morning, during fasting, what they do. How something which is so precious can be turned around by the enemy to kill. Well, God says turn it around for life. So, all those who are fasting, one meal, two meal, three meals, whatever it is, I pray God has been speaking to you. Let's look to the Lord today for the word that we have. Last week we saw how the devil tempts using the world in which we are placed and the flesh that is within us to draw us, God's children, away from God. We can draw back to the point of perdition, okay, of perdition, of going to hell, even if you are men. There are a lot of people who say, preachers, big name time preachers who say, once saved, always saved, but there is a rider. Only if you continue walking with God. Hebrews 10.38 says that my righteous who walks by faith, if he draws back, my soul will not be pleased with him. And the next verse says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. We can draw back all the way to hell. Okay, So the devil will always try to draw us back so that we either lose our soul in eternity. Or we don't, we at least forfeit our crown when the day of judgment comes. So we have to, we saw last week how the devil uses the world. We looked at the three things from John chapter 1, John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. We're not turning there. We looked at that about how he uses pleasures and possessions and prominence. These three primary things, everything will fall into these three categories to even young ones, even young ones, little ones, either pleasure or uh, position or prominence. In your, even in your little groups, you want prominence and God will use, the enemy will use you to pull that away from God. But today we are not looking at what the enemy does. We want to look at what God offers. The enemy has so much to offer. Go to any shopping mall, the enemy has so much to offer. Like I said, God gave us water and we changed its color. 
any color you want. You know, this is sick blue color drinks they start offering. I don't know. I feel like if you're drinking indigo. But, you know, everything the enemy offers. You look at anything God has made and you will see the enemy has made it into a dozen million varieties. But through it all, God still offers, which is to the spiritual eye, unbeatable. But for us to understand and appreciate what God offers, there has to be a reset in our minds. That's why Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In our minds, there has to be a reset. The problem is we see everything through the eyes of the world. Eyes of the world. And that's the struggle with most people face. Because most people, to be honest, got saved. Had the salvation experience much later in life. And because of that, the world was already set in. And they were never separated from the world. So because the world was already set in and then they came into the kingdom of God, everything they perceive, even what I speak or you hear from another servant of God, you see it with worldly eyes and interpret it using worldly terms and the struggle you face. That's why, like I said in the Bible, you look at anywhere, any man of God whom God has used powerfully, they were all brought in from the wilderness. They were brought in deliberately from the wilderness because they had to have a separation from the world so that they could really understand and hear and interpret what God was speaking to them. And it was for that purpose God led Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness first before they could possess the promised land. Because if he knew, if he took them straight into the promised land, they would have made the promised land like Egypt. But they could not enter into the promised land because through the wilderness they only talked about Egypt, the world they had left. And always we also, God's children, we come out of the world, we come into the church, but the world is crowding into our minds. So there has to be a reset if we need to understand the kingdom of God and appreciate the kingdom of God. That's why many, many, many Christians, true, genuine believers find this walk with God so difficult Yet tomorrow when they go back to their offices, they are at ease. They have work pressure. But they don't find that other pressure of walking in the world. They find it very easy and they love it. They enjoy the joke, they have fun, they have everything. But they find the walk with God so tedious. And ultimately they start drawing back, drawing back, drawing back. And they don't leave the churches. What they do is they go to the comfort of religion. And Christianity becomes another religion. And when you do that, everything that BJP and RSS say is true about you and me. We just did Dharam Parivartan. And there's no need to do that because Jesus did not come to bring a religion. Jesus came for this primary purpose that we could have life from above and a relationship with God. And if you're caught in a religion called Christianity, you can go back to the religion of your forefathers because it makes no difference to the kingdom of God. He did not come to establish a religion. That's why there has to be a reset over here. A reset. And why is it so difficult? It's simply because of the nature of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is defined by, as Jesus says, or the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1.8, but to the Son, he says, the Father says to the Son, your throne, your kingdom, O God, is forever and ever. Your kingdom, your throne, O Son, 
Lord Jesus is forever and ever. But your kingdom, the scepter of your kingdom is defined by righteousness. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. That's the problem. His kingdom is defined by righteousness. If it was anything else, then it wouldn't be so easy, difficult to walk with God. But because his kingdom is defined with righteousness, unless we continue to grow in righteousness, we, we cannot progress into that kingdom. It's as simple as that. When a person is genuinely born again, he enters into that kingdom, the kingdom of righteousness. This is only the person who has sincerely repented of his or her sins and genuinely accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And the result is, when you do that, the result scripture clarifies in Romans 5.1, he says, therefore having been justified by faith, only by faith, you are justified just as if you never sinned. You are declared righteous by God from the throne room. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what happens at salvation. At salvation, what happens is you are imputed with righteousness by God. Otherwise, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. To enter into the kingdom of God, we need to have righteousness which is of Christ. That's what the next words I have given will tell you. In Romans chapter 4, 3.22 scripture says, not 8, 3.22 scripture will say, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe, for there is no difference. There is a righteousness of Jesus Christ. In the parable of the wedding, one of the parables, Jesus talks about the crowds and all coming in. The banquet hall is full. And in the middle of it, there is one man who doesn't have the wedding dress. And he says, friend, how did you get in here? Where is your dress? And he says, pick him up and throw him into outer darkness. Anybody who has to enter into God's kingdom, there is one condition. At the gate, you receive the righteousness of God. The gate is a place of judgment. At that place, either you will be judged for your sins, or you, Jesus will be judged for our sins. And if you accept the mercy that Jesus offers, and we accept our own faults and our own sins, and we genuinely repent, there we receive the righteousness of Christ. And it's only that when that happens, that we can enter into the kingdom of God. But remember, this is imputed righteousness. This is something which God declares from his throne room. You are justified. You are righteous. But from there begins the walk in the newness of life. Abstaining, like we saw last Sunday, from fleshly lusts, worldly living, and living in obedience to the word of God. This is the walk of righteousness. You, we grow in righteousness. We walk in righteousness. We continue to grow in righteousness. Let's look today. What happens if you continue to grow in righteousness? Let's look at a few verses. Psalm 92 verses 12 to 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The righteous shall flourish. There is a picture given here. 
Scripture says, the word of God says, he, she will flourish like a palm tree. You see? It says, you shall, go, go back to verse 12, you shall flourish like a palm tree. Yet if you look, so many Christians are lingering in the same place. They haven't flourished, they haven't moved spiritually. There is nothing coming into their lives while others seem to be actually going down spiritually. Why? God makes so many promises in the Bible, so many promises. They say over 9,000 promises in the Bible to his people. And scripture says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, every promise is yes in him and amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God in him are yes. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If we are a set of people, the only set of people on earth, the believers, with all the promises of the living God, then what's the struggle? The struggle is this. All the promises of God are only to the righteous. There is not a single promise in the Bible for the unrighteous. There are no promises. And there is only one way one can be declared righteous by God. That is by believing in Him. One. Two. By obeying Him. Romans 4.3 says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's the first part. Second part, Hebrews 11 will say in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed. Abraham not only believed, Abraham also obeyed. Then we are counted righteous. And when we are counted righteous because of our belief and our obedience, God says, every promise in the Bible is yours. Whichever pertains to you. It's yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So what happens when believers, believers are called believers because they believe. Right? But that's not enough. God says, what about obedience? God says, it doesn't matter whether you are young or old. He says you are declared righteous. The key text for today I want to use is from the earlier one and then Psalm 5 and verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. There are advantages of being declared righteous by God. When we choose right, this is why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, because for the righteousness, there is so much God's and his kingdom offers in contradiction to what the world offers through his false glitter and glamour. God says, you will bless the righteous and with favor you will surround him like a shield. The favor of God will surround them like a shield. Take note of this one word, favor. Favor, that's American spelling. English should, British should be F-A-V-O-U-R. Okay? Favor. Note that. The favor of God will surround the righteous like a shield. Favor will change one's life. Even in this world, favor will change. Okay, we understand what favor is. 
favor in the Bible, it, it, it's administered, it's used in the terms of speed, in terms of strength, in terms of wisdom, in terms of brilliance, in terms of learning. Okay, It looks at all this, whichever area you are in. It doesn't matter where you work, what stage, what part of the world you work in. If you have God's favor upon you, favor, 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 favor will change your life. You know, so many of us work so hard in our workplaces. Yet, if you have favor, you know how it works. If you are in your company and your GM has favor on you, you know, suddenly, right? It changes. He has favor. And you look at all the people of God who prospered in the Bible, it was simply because they sought righteousness and God had favor on them. Favor. Okay. In Ecclesiastic chapter 9 and verse 11, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. It doesn't matter what you are, whether you are swift or strong or wise or rich. We have understanding all that he says, you know what? doesn't make any difference. There is one thing. Favor. All your skill will not bring you favor. It is favor that changes everything. Favor. It will, can change your destiny. Somebody said it like this. Your destiny is only limited by the level of favor you enjoy. About little Samuel, who chose to obey God and walk in his way, even when he was a small boy, it is written in First Samuel and uh, chapter 2, 26. And the child Samuel, this Hebrew word child is for a small kid, maybe five or six years old kid, grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and with men. Okay. Because that's how his mother had trained him. How to choose righteousness above everything else. You are in a very wicked place. But that makes no difference. Even if you are young, you can still choose righteousness. Hannah had made it very clear. She did not release him to Shiloh until she had weaned him. But she had put the righteousness of God into his heart. So that when he went into the world, he chose righteousness. And because he chose righteousness, you will see, even as he is growing in stature, he is growing in favor with God. Favor with God. Because if what? Because if you only talk about the world, we never understand what God offers the devil can never, never match. What changed Joseph's destiny? Though his brothers plotted against him and sold him to slavery. And his mistress falsely accused him and had him thrown him into prison. Every point you look at him, this young man chose righteousness. And scripture will say, it doesn't matter where he is in Genesis 39. Scripture will say, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor. He always had favor. Wherever he went, he had favor. In his father's house, he had favor. In the palace, Potiphar's palace as a slave, he had favor. You throw him into a dungeon, in the dungeon also he has favor. Favor. 
favor. God says, you choose righteousness. You choose righteousness. You will have favor. The psalmist says, God's favor surrounds us like a shield. Why shield? Because many, many are the arrows of the enemy. And if you know from your, your, from your term from Ephesians chapter 6, which talks about put on the full armor of God, we are asked to put the breastplate of righteousness. All the arrows are aimed at the righteousness because the enemy knows if we can fall short of the righteousness of Christ, we will lose favor with God. And we will lose the favor of God. So all the enemy's arrows are aimed at our righteousness, which we have in Christ and the imputed and the righteousness that we walk. That's why the shield of faith given. And the psalmist says the Lord surrounds his people like a shield with favor. But God says if you and I fight the good fight of faith, God's favor will thrust us into our divine destiny. Everybody sitting here has a divine destiny. You have your own dreams and aspirations. That is nothing compared to God's destiny for you. God has a destiny for you. Every child has a father. He has a destiny. And to reach your destiny, you need only one thing, that you need favor. You need favor. And scripture says, the Lord was with Joseph. Why was the Lord with Joseph? Because he consciously was making this decision every day. I will put your kingdom and I will put your righteousness above the world. Above the temptations. Above every pressure I face in the world. I will always choose your kingdom and your righteousness. So when the scepter of his kingdom, his righteousness, and when we choose to lift it up, God says, you will have favor. It doesn't matter where, what the world does. Doesn't matter what the devil does. Doesn't matter where he throw you. Even there, he God says, I will lift you up and you shall have favor. So understand, it is not without advantages when Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. So if you want favor, what do we need to do? Seek righteousness. If you want the favor of God, You and I must be a person who represents the righteousness of God. And you cannot, first thing you need to understand this, you cannot grow in righteousness unless you are a person who constantly repents. What is the first block to growing in righteousness? It is repentance because apart from repentance, I cannot have a right standing with God. Apart from repentance, you and I cannot have a right standing from God. Why? Why did God say, David is a man after my own heart? Because he had a repentant heart. Unlike Uzziah. There are other kings in Judah, in Israel, in Second Chronicle. You will see the difference between David and another king. This is a young man. Probably David also started his journey at the age of 16. Maybe 14, 15, 16. When he was anointed, he must have been the same age. Here is Uzziah. 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehovah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That is righteousness. He's walking in righteousness. According to all that his father Amaziah had done. And then... 
He sought God in the days of Zachariah who had understanding in the visions of God and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. He had favor. He is walking in righteousness, growing in righteousness and Uzziah is prospering and then something happens. What happens? Verse 21. Yeah, 16. But when he was strong in his, he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. When he became strong, his heart was lifted up. He became proud. God had prospered him. And now he's prosperous, he's strong, his heart was lifted up. For and for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. That is fine. He transgressed, he did something that was wrong, the priest stopped him, they told him king and they pushed him out, leprosy broke on his head. But verse 21 says, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. Why? Why was he a leper until the day? Because he refused to repent. He refused to repent. This is a God who is given in his law, words after words, chapter after chapter, how to heal a person and cleanse a person out of leprosy. This is a God who healed a Syrian general of leprosy. Yet the king of Israel is not healed because he will not repent. He will not repent. Pride has set in and he will not repent. So if you want favor, one, seek righteousness. If you want a favor, walk always in repentance because pride is the biggest block of a believer. When God says repent and obey. As long as you repent, you can always expect favor. David always repent. He has done things which most believers will never do. Yet he was quick to repent. When God confronted him, he repented and he always had favor and he finishes his race well. The problem is believers defend their sins or deny their sins and they expect divine favor. David neither defended nor denied his sins before God. And therefore, he always had forgiveness and he always had favor. Third thing, if you want to walk in God's favor, there is something in Matthew 6, I think I didn't give it to you, but we all know Matthew 6, verse 12 to 15. We know that's the Lord's prayer. What does it say there? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our Debtors. There's something about you want to walk in God's favor. Unless we walk continuously in forgiveness, you cannot have God's favor. Know this. I'll explain to you so that I'll read it again. God does not forgive based on his capacity to forgive. God's capacity to forgive is like an ocean. But he does not forgive according to his capacity to forgive. He forgives according to the proportion we forgive. His forgiveness may be like an ocean. But we may have only a teaspoon. And God says, if it's a teaspoon that you use, you will receive a teaspoon from my ocean of mercy. That's how. That's the problem with God's mercy. Don't take oh, take God's mercy for granted. There is something strange about God's mercy, unlike all his other attributes. And Paul will say that in Romans 9 and verse 15. He will say, 
For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. He says, I will have mercy on whomever. Lord, forgive me. Forgive him. God says, I will have mercy because I am watching him. I see stuff which you don't see. You saying, forgive, he looks so nice. He says, yeah, to you. But I show mercy to whom I want to show mercy. He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. It's absolutely my jurisdiction. Nobody can tamper with that. I know. So you want to walk in mercy, favor, we have to walk in mercy. Joseph walked in divine favor because he walked in forgiveness. He was not saying what people did to him was right. He was not justifying any of any. We are not justifying anybody's action. But in our heart, we choose to walk in forgiveness. And Joseph chose to walk in forgiveness. And Joseph, unlike us, had incredible power to harm those who hurt him. He was second only to the Pharaoh. Everybody who hurt him, including his brothers and Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, everybody was under his authority. But he did not use his power to hurt them because he had forgiven them. Okay. So God says, a time is coming when the whole of creation is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Why are they groaning? Because these are the ones who will rule. These are the ones who will judge man and angels. Can I give power into your hands? I'm watching you now. Just think, just think into our hearts and say, if we had 10% of Joseph's power, what would we do? What would we do? So understand, third thing, if you want to walk with God, in God's favor, walk in forgiveness. Fourth, Hebrews 7, 7 and Psalm 133, 2 to 3. Hebrews 7, 7. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. The lesser is blessed by the better. Keep that in your mind, okay? And the next one, I'll explain to you what it means. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commandeth blessing life forevermore. What does these two verses have to do with favor? You need to understand something about blessing. Blessings never flow up. Blessings always flow down. Blessings always flow down. It is the lesser who is blessed by the better. So it doesn't matter if you are the father of believers, you are the big man who obeyed God, you are going to start this entire chain of events, but when you stand before Melchizedek, Melchizedek blesses you, you don't bless Melchizedek. You suddenly become lesser. There is this order in God's command. Blessings don't flow up. They bless down. So God says, you want favor? Then honor the spiritual chain of authority. Where there is no honor, where God has placed his order, there will be no favor. 
There are three areas primarily he fixes. One is the government. In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 1, scripture says, let as many bond servants are as under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor. In your context, put it, whichever company you are working. Okay, you are a bond servant there. That's why they take a bond before they can give you a... Yeah, you all signed a bond, right? Yes, yeah, so you are a bond servant, okay? All you bond servants, remember your own masters. The companies are created by the enemy. All companies don't belong to God. Remember, okay? The company, the power behind these companies are the enemy. That's why they want to change the entire etiquette of the companies where you call your boss by name. This never happened in our days. Never happened. You didn't even sit in the presence of your manager or your boss. It was a no-no. Now even schools and colleges, they teach you to call your prof and all by name. But God says... Worthy of all honor so that the name of God and his doctrine, his doctrine may not be blasphemed. What is the doctrine? The doctrine of chain of command and the doctrine that blessings flows from top to below, not up. Worthy of honor. He says, government, understand wherever you are placed, worthy. Not that you obey when they are unrighteous, but you honor them always. First Peter chapter 2, 17. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor the king. Honor civil authority. Honor. You want favor? Honor. Second, the church. We are moving from outside to inside, okay? First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. He says, when you come into the family of God, into the church, he says, there are authorities placed. God says, honor, honor. Third, he says, the family. In the family, God says, honor your father and your mother. Honor. Obedience is a different question altogether, but dishonor is a no-no. It's a no-no. The purpose behind authority is so that God can provide, God can promote, God can protect us. And God says, be careful about how you walk. How you walk. You want favor? Seek righteousness. You want favor of God? Walk always repentant. If you want favor of God, walk in forgiveness. If you want favor, walk always honoring those who are worthy of honor so that the doctrine of God is not blasphemed. There are parameters set by God. The next one, the fifth one. Be careful around servants of God. Especially this Saturday. Because some of them may look very simple. They very look very simple. Many, 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 many of the servants of God are very simple people and they look simple. Don't get familiar. Don't get familiar. Because the most dangerous area people get is with the simple servants of God. Because of their simplicity, people get familiar. You will see, I'll give you examples. In Second Kings chapter 2, 23 to 25. As he went up from there to Bethel and he was going up the road, some youth, young people from the city came and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. Who is this? 
Elisha. Why? He looked simple. He has no hair and he's wearing an old gown. That's all they called him. Balded. He turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the wood and mauled 42 of the youths. These are given to us in the Old Testament as physical examples of what happens to God's children in the new covenant. That they are saved. They go nowhere in the kingdom of God. Nowhere. That's why I tell you, you may have issues when you may be in a church, you may have issue with the pastor and all. If you have an issue with it, try to discuss the issue. Do it with honor. Do not mock. Do not disrespect. And if you are not able to agree, shut your mouth, quietly leave. Quietly leave. Otherwise you could die. You could die. And people have died in our sight. You know. There also. Here also. Because there is something which you don't do. You don't dishonor. Because when you dishonor that servant, you are actually dishonoring the God who called him or anointed him. And we have to teach our children this right from the beginning. Because our children will go nowhere. Nowhere. All your skill, all your education, all your talents will reach you nowhere. Because in the kingdom of God, the kingdom works on a different set of principles. A different set of principles. In Numbers 12, we don't have to turn there, we know. It didn't matter who Aaron was and who didn't matter who Miriam was. Because they dishonored their younger brother, who happened to be the one who was worthy of honor because he was a servant of God. Miriam and Aaron are judged and Miriam had to stand outside the camp for seven days as a leper, as a sign and a teaching lesson, object lesson to all of Israel. In number 16, it didn't matter how Big the group of elders were. Korah, Datan, and Abiram and 350 of all the elders of Egypt turned against one simple servant of God called Moses and they all perished. And in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 20 we know when Naman is healed and he offers Elisha money and Elisha says, no, I don't want, I won't take a pie from you and he goes... Gehazi, you know why Gehazi went after? Because Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naman, the Syrian, while not receiving from his hand what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. In his heart, he had contempt for Elisha. He said, what kind of a fool is? Should make use of every opportunity. He had contempt in his heart for his master, Elisha. This is a good opportunity to make money. This man is giving you tons of gold and you are saying you don't want gold. Okay, you don't want it, I want it. I am smarter than you. And you know the result of it. He and his descendants will continue as lepers forever. Not just because he took the gold. It's because also he dishonored his master. That is why it didn't matter what Saul did to him. David honored Saul. Even though he knew God had rejected him David always honored Saul. He ran away from him. He kept away from him. But he honored him all through. And you will see it didn't matter what Saul did. David always had favor of God with him. Why I am telling you that you will all have issues in your workplaces. You will all have issues in your workplaces. If you cannot handle it, if you have to leave, leave without Dishonor. I have told you over and over and over again, but I have to drum it because there is a generation that is growing up who doesn't understand what honor is. 
I told you the last time I worked in my secular place in the college where I worked, my principal was my student. It's a very difficult position to be. You can still call him and check with him. I never sat in his presence unless he told me, sit down, sir. Never entered his office unless he told, I knocked and waited and he said, come in, sir. Never, never was familiar with him. Though he was my student. He always called me, sir, and I called him, sir. Never. We always knew the difference, how to handle each other. While the vice principal, same thing. Monday to Saturday, sir, he'll say, Sir James, come sit down. But Sunday was a different story altogether. Sunday was church. And when the underground church gathered, the vice principal was a believer, came into one of my churches. There, he sat down and I stood up. And he called me, sir, because honor had changed. Position had changed. And we kept it very clearly two years the same way. Monday to Saturday, you are my boss. Sunday, you are not my boss. I am above you. We stick to that, because that's how the kingdom works. And all the married sisters sitting over here, over and over and over and over, scripture is not telling you, love your husbands, love your husbands. No, he says, honor, 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 if you want favor. You don't honor your husband, you will not have favor. You will not have favor. It's all connected in the kingdom. Children don't honor their parents, God says, no favor. No favor. But children, your father may be wrong. Your father may be absolutely wrong. It doesn't matter. You honor your father, God says you will have favor. On the day, you you have to hear it a thousand times before it sinks in your head. Your father could be absolutely wrong. As Jesse was absolutely wrong. When Samuel came to Bethlehem that day, the only son he did not call to be prepared, sanctified and ready for that great occasion was the youngest one, David. He probably told him, you go to look after the sheep because even in the father's eyes, he thought this fellow is good for nothing. He's only good to look after sheep. But the boy honored his father and he was out in the wilderness looking after the sheep. He honored his father. But when the appointed moment came, God rejected all the seven sons and he told that boy in the wilderness is the one who will have my favor. Simple reason, because he honored. Though his father was wrong. Your father and your mother doesn't have to be right. That doesn't give you the right to dishonor them. You can disobey if they tell you to break a civil law or a criminal law or a spiritual law. You can say, sorry dad, I cannot do it because it is written. That's a different thing. But you cannot dishonor. You cannot dishonor your husband because scripture says your husband is your head. And the comparison of headship is with Christ. It's not even with your boss in your office. As Christ is the head of man, so is the man the head of woman. The question is, will anybody dishonor Christ if you were to come over here? No. Everybody will bend at these and they will be all worshipping if you were to walk in over here. He says, he's your head. Why? We miss out on favor because the kingdom of God, the scepter of that kingdom is Righteousness. This is what it means to seek his righteousness. How do I seek his righteousness? God says, looking at one area now, when it comes to honor, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to, to repentance, this is how you seek the righteousness of God. God says, you seek righteousness. I promise you one thing. You will be always have favor. Doesn't matter where you go. You will always have favor. And Joseph always had favor. The next one, sixth one. Luke 6 and verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. 
It's not spend and I will recharge your credit card. No. Give and it shall be given to. That's how God's kingdom is. You want favor? Irrespective of your circumstances, God says, this is a law in the kingdom. If you don't give, you will not receive. That's why the examples in the Bible always used are the poor. The poor woman of Zarephath, the poor Shunammite widow, the little boy with five loaves of bread. These are all poor. But they gave. That's how it is. That is how it is. And as you grow older in the Lord, He will start checking your giving in everything. If you are very miserly with the time you give God, you will always realize you don't have time for anything. You never have enough time. You are always rushing, 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 never able to finish anything. Yet when you are generous with your time to God, you will always, you are able to fulfill every need. Why? Because the favor of God is coming with you. Jesus always had time for his father. Always had time for his father. Woke up early in the morning, went into the wilderness and he spent time with his father and came and then he's ready for work. It didn't matter what hit him that day. He was ready for it because favor was there. In your giving, whether it is money or anything in your giving, we are only generous in our giving of anger, bitterness and unforgiveness. We are very generous. No holes. God says no. The things of the kingdom. This is the law. Give. Give. And it will be given back to you. Pressed down. Shaken together. It will be given back to you. For what? So that you can give even more. And it keeps on. It's an unending supply that happens. Seven. Never stop praising God. Don't let the devil or your circumstances steal God's praise from your lips because scripture says God has ordained praise. The devil knows that. The devil knows praise is like a double-edged sword. Like anyone who continuously in his heart through his lips keeps on praising God, the favor of God will surround him and her and follow him wherever he goes. So the devil knows, I will use circumstances to stop you from singing, stop you from praising. Stop you from lifting God up in your circumstances. In Psalm 67, verse 5 to 7, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, and God, our own God, shall bless us. When does God bless us? When does the earth start giving it the increase? Your earth, your field in which you are working. Where are you blessed? When does your field start bringing forth a harvest? It is when the people praise God. Praise God. And the words, verse 7. And God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. All the earth shall fear That is, these are all laws in the kingdom. God says, you praise me. My favor will surround you like a shield and it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. Your circumstances does not define your praise. Your praise is defined by God who is above your circumstances. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, but at midnight, at midnight, in a dirty, stinking, filthy Roman prison, 
at midnight with their backs broken and legs tied up in the stock paul and silas were praying and they were singing and all the other prisoners were listening listening favor and you will know what happened after that the favor of god came favor of god by now as we grow older in the spirit more into maturity we should be by now reach the point where we are calling others and asking for prayer i am struggling no it's a time you are praising so others call you for prayer should be in a by now there is a, a point has to cross in your spiritual life where you stop asking people pray 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 for i am going through this i am going through this i am going through where does paul ask that paul says pray for me that another door may be opened that i can go through and get beaten up again and continue preaching every prayer is asking now is not pro oh, i am going through a storm please pray for me he says no open the doors may be open more and more that the kingdom of god the testimony of the kingdom may go forth you know we have to move from the point of asking people to pray for us continuously to people who are praising god continuously so that others who are weaker than us and struggling new believers can call us and pray so this is what the prisoners were listening to midnight hour they had never ever had experienced something like that two young men into the prison praying and praising god and god says praise trace and you will have favor your earth will be blessed it will bring forth a reward and then nehemiah 1 4 and 11 fast and pray and it was when i heard this word i sat down wept and mourned for many days i was fasting and praying before the god of heaven why do we fast and pray when we fast and pray genuinely god says you will have favor and verse 11 oh lord i pray please let your ear be attended to the prayer of your servant to the prayer of your servant so desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day i pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for i was the cups king's cupbearer he says i want pro- i want to prosper this day I want favor this day with the king. You know I am the king's cupbearer. Lord, I am fasting and I am praying. I am the king's cupbearer. I want favor. Favor for what? That the king will allow me to go back to the ruins of Jerusalem and start rebuilding your kingdom. Is that? Is that our cry? It's our cry for the kingdom of this world. All of our fasting and prayer is either for a spouse or a job or unnati in this sansar. What about the kingdom of God? He says, I am the cup bearer. That's the key part. I'm, a, I'm the king's cup bearer. Guaranteed, if you're a Babylonian king's cup bearer, you are a eunuch. That means you have no family. You have no children. You have no interest. Guaranteed, number two, if you are the Babylonian emperor's cup bearer, you are the most with the person most close to the king you can't get closer than that because the king trusts you with his life you cannot rise higher than that what does it mean in indian terms personal secretary to the prime minister modi that's what he is the king doesn't drink or eat anything before nehemiah has tasted it that's how the king trusts him with his life you cannot go higher now what are you fasting and praying for so that i will have favor with king to go back to that old ruins of jerusalem and start constructing god's kingdom is that is that 
our hearts cry that we have favor. We have favor. And you will see, he has favor. He has favor. The king will look at him and says, why is your face downcast? And he says, my heart is there. The king says, what do you want? You want to go? He says, I want to go. And God is, king is asking, you're going? Okay, how many days will you take? When will you come back? And he lets him go. Favor? We fast and pray so that we have favor with God and favor with man for the sake of the king and his kingdom. In Esther 4.16, another woman. We just can't use a male example. Let's use a female example. So gather all the Jews who are present in Susha and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. May maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She said, I'm, you fast, you pray. I'm going to the king. It's against the law of the land. I need favor. So therefore fast and pray. All of Jews in Sushan are praying. All the maids of Esther are fasting and praying. All of them are fasting and praying. Because one woman realized the kingdom of God and his people is more important than my life or my position. We fast and pray to rise in position or preserve her position. She is risking her position. He cannot rise higher than what Esther has reached for the kingdom of God. And you know what happens in Esther 5, 6 to 8. Scripture says, the banquet of the wine, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be yours. Can you think about it? You're given a chance like that? The king says, up to half the Babylonian empire is yours. And Esther answered, my petition and request is this. You know what her petition? What is that? The safety of my people. I don't want half the kingdom. I want God's people to be safe. Is that our cry? This can work both ways. Both ways you can work. Wickedness also works that way. Righteousness also works that way. A righteous person who has been fasting and praying is not tempted by what the king is offering because his or her heart is connected to the kingdom of God and the welfare of God's people. So she says, my people. When Salome dances before Herod, Herod also says, up to half my kingdom. She says, I don't want half your kingdom. I want that fellow's head. Two women. Two women pictured in the Bible. Esther, Salome. Both were offered by respective kings half their kingdom. Look at their choices they made. We need favor. Favor with God and with favor with man. All these people lived and worked under difficult circumstances. They had the most hostile Style enemies against them. But they had favor. What did they have? They had favor. Psalm 90 and verse 17 says, Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We will say, the favor of God will establish the work of our hands. We want to work. That's not enough. We want our work to be established. And scripture says, it is the favor of God. It will establish. Even our enemies, God says, if favor is with you, will be favorably disposed towards us. 
in Exodus 11 and verse 3, scripture says, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Egyptians are their enemies. But God gave his people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. You getting the picture? That's why we seek righteousness. That is why scripture says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. In Hebrews 1.9, scripture says, Jesus loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Okay, more than. We have to love righteousness. Don't confuse terms in the Bible. No? Uh, like yesterday to the young people, I was talking about discipline. Discipline is a container. Discipline is what? A container. Worldly people also have discipline. It's a container. But godly people have discipline which is filled with righteousness. You can pursue righteousness, you have righteousness, but if you don't have discipline, the righteousness will all leak away. You can have incredible discipline with no righteousness. You can have incredible righteousness with no discipline. Incredible discipline but no righteousness. What is his name in the Bible? Ahitophel. Such a disciplined man that even before he goes to kill himself, commit suicide, he puts everything in order, folds his bedsheet, pillow, everything and then hangs him because disciplined. Those are the people after they kill themselves, the police come and they'll say, man, how did this happen? He's even dusted his room, no fingerprints also. Not clear. Discipline, but no righteousness. There are people in the Bible, righteous, but they did not have discipline. Have discipline, have righteousness. Jesus had both. He had both. His father, the Holy Spirit, trained him. Morning by morning, you awakened me. And I did not turn like one rebellious. Therefore you gave me the tongue of the instructor. Disciplined. And as not only disciplined, from childhood he loved righteousness. This is the perfect cup. A cup of discipline filled with righteousness. Disciplined. That says, that's where you need to go. That's where you need to die. Everybody says, no Lord. Discipline. Set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. Disciplined. Incredibly. Discipline and righteousness. That's what scripture is talking about. You love righteousness. It's not enough that we start seeking righteousness. At some point we need to start falling in love with righteousness. And what is the result of loving righteousness, hating lawless? Scripture talks about Jesus as a child in Luke 2 and verse 52. Scripture says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and with men. He had favor. He had favor with God and favor with men. Favor with God and favor with men. So as we come to the beginning of our 10th year, understand there is a God who wants to show favor. But if you don't walk in that discipline, in that obedience, then there are people in the Bible also used as examples. Saul had favor in the beginning and was chosen by God as king. 
But later he was rejected because he did not pursue righteousness. Samson was chosen from the womb or before the womb he was chosen, set apart for God. But he was also rejected. He lost favor with God. Satan himself had favor like more no angel. But when pride came in, like Uzziah, he also was cast down. Understand this. These are the things that will cost us losing favor. The widow at Zarephath and the Shunammite woman all had abounded in God's favor is because of the way they gave. They gave till it hurt. The way we give, it hurts the others. These are people who gave until it hurt them. Hurt them. You look at the people in the Bible, how they gave. It hurt them. Really hurt them. Can you imagine at the age when Samuel is maybe five years old, Hannah going from her home to Shiloh? What is she going to give? Money? Grain? Taking the little boy. This is the child she cried for. And wept before God for years. And the prayer was answered. But she had made a commitment. And the time comes, I'll give the child back to you. And that he is yours. And with this, that child, you know what? Every step cost her, she gave. These people gave. Can you imagine the woman at Zarephath? Prophet comes down and says, she says, this is all I have. One handful of atta, little oil, three fire sticks. And I'm going to make my last roti. I will eat. My son will eat. We will die. It's over. There is famine all over. This is our last mouthful. And the prophet looks at her and says, give it to me. God says, remember, you want favor? You have to be givers till the end, not takers. The world is full of takers. The kingdom will be filled with givers. And how you give? Prayerlessness. Prayerlessness, I know, it's a major plague in the church. Not this church, church around the world. Our, our uh, prayers are all karyakrams. It's not life. Prayerlessness. Another thing that can cost us favor. James chapter 2 verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In the New Testament, whenever the church took a judgment, at the bottom it always was mercy. It's not feelings, it was mercy. Whole purpose was that, okay, deal with this man, cut fellowship with him, don't talk to him at all, let them really go through the ringer, and when they repent and come back, take them back. Otherwise, don't take them back. Because at the point, the bottom is mercy. The bottom is mercy. Every judgment was at the bottom was mercy. Every judgment. And God says, if you judge without mercy, you will also be judged without mercy. You know, there's this wonderful example in the book of Judges in chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. And they found Adoni Bezek in Bezek and fought against him and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perisites. Then Adoni Bezek fled and they pursued him, caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. They caught him, cut his thumbs off and cut his big toes off. What did he say? 
And Adonibesek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. That's what he used to do. Every king he defeated, he used to catch him, cut his thumbs off, cut his toes off, and they used to crawl around his table looking for scraps. His day of judgment came. And God used his people to judge him in the same way because he judged without mercy. There's something else here over there. We're not getting it. What does it mean to lose your thumb and your toes? That's what the devil wants to do. Take your thumb and your toes off because without a thumb, you cannot work. You cannot hold. Without your toes, your walk and your work is affected. The world is full of thumbless and toeless people because there is no righteousness in them. It's been taken off. It's been taken off by the powers of darkness. That is why one day when God judges them, there will be no mercy at all. No questions asked. Adam, who told you are naked? Eve, what have you done? Satan, no questions. This is a curse over you. No questions. Because he will be shown judgment with no mercy. No mercy. Understand scripture, how it works and apply it into our own lives. This is not the destiny of God's children. This is not the destiny of God's children. God's children, as we saw in Isaiah 92, they are supposed to flourish. Flourish. 92, we saw they are supposed to flourish in the courts of the law, in the house of the law. Yeah, Psalm 92. Verses 12 to 15, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Like this, grow like a cedar. Where? However they will flourish? Only those who are planted in the house of the Lord. There are people who are flourishing in the world. When the world is judged, they will also go away. Also go away. All your records, all your certificates, all your medals will be all part of that fire. Add to the glow. Add to the glow. There are many people who are flourishing in Pharaoh's court. Is the names mentioned? Only Joseph. There are many people who flourished in Babylonian court. Are their names mentioned? No. Only Joseph. Only Joseph. All of them must have had their certificates and plaques and everything. Joseph had only one certificate. It was called Certificate of Righteousness. It's the only certificate. And he had God with him. Because I'm telling you, because that's the thing. You go to almost any Christian home, all you will have is the trophies or you will hear stories of their trophies. What difference does it make to the kingdom of God? Nothing. Makes no nothing. For everybody who is good in the world, you will have ten others better. Honest? But everybody who is righteous, different thing. Understand how the kingdom of God evaluates people. It's not the same way. He will, righteous shall flourish. Why does the righteous flourish? Why does he? Reason, Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. What does it say? His delight is in the law of the Lord and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What is his delight? Latest videos. Day and night. Latest gaming device. Or talk incessantly on the phone. This is what, this is our delight. Or shop till you collapse. I 
I'm waiting for the day when the super malls, supermarkets become bigger and bigger. And you have, you know, in the airport and all, you saw those buggies. Soon they will give those to take your stuff. Because the trolleys are becoming only bigger and bigger. What is your delight? Where is he planted? He's planted in the house of the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Why? What does it mean? He did not touch the surface of the word of God. He went deep in. He went into the depth of the word of God. And he planted his roots over there. Deep. He went. What is the comparison, Ramba? The righteous is not compared to the mango tree. The righteous is not compared to the apple tree. The righteous is compared to the palm tree in the desert. This is a tree that lives in hostile circumstances. Very hostile. But the roots are very, very deep. It is not a kind of tree when autumn comes, all its leaves go and it is looking brown and dry. No, this is the kind of tree in the hottest sun and the most hostile circumstances always looks green. You put him in the synagogue, he will praise God. You will put him in the church, he will praise God. You put him in the prison, he will still praise God because he is like the palm tree. Some people can worship God only when the ambience is right. You have to create an ambience. Otherwise, there is no praise, no worship. When things start going out of hand, the worship also goes out. But that's not the palm tree. The righteous flourishes like the palm tree. It's an evergreen tree. It's evergreen tree. And if you are in the desert and you're walking through the hot, dreary desert, you are looking for a palm tree to find a little shade. It gives shade to the weary. To the weary, you have a word for the season. Psalm 50 talks about Jesus. He was the original palm tree that was planted in the house of God. Its scripture says in Psalm, uh, sorry, Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learner that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Weary. He was a palm tree. The original palm tree. So you always have a word. Joseph was a palm tree planted in the house of the Lord. He is thrown into prison and even in the prison there is a cupbearer and a baker and they are down, downcast, discouraged. And he still has a word for them. Why is your face downcast today? Does he have a word for the weary? Does he have a word for the weary? If you are thrown in prison, would you have a word for the weary? Would you see this as your destiny? My God who surrounds me with favor and by shield and has put me there so that I can have a word for the weary. How else will they hear it? Do you think that way? Everybody is talking about persecution. If persecution doesn't come, how will the people in prison hear the gospel? Some pastors have to go in. And if they won't allow you to do ministry over there, you have to go in chains. That's what Pastor Eric called me last week. We got a particular situation where we have to baptize somebody. That person is very critical and dying, wants to get baptized, but a person has an open wound. How do we do it? How do we? can't take it to the river because the river is filthy and may get an infection. The pastor cannot get in with that. What if he catches an infection? So how do we do it? I was saying, how do we do it? Then I realized, oh, my two 
brothers, spiritual brothers in the underground church for showing Jesus movie was in the prison for six months and during the six months they went through hard labor, they were in chains, they carried stones but at the end of six months so many prisoners came to the Lord but they had favor with the prison warden and the warden gave them a drum and they baptized all of them before they were released from the prison. I said drum, 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 get a drum, get a drum, get a drum. I said get a drum because that's how we did in the prisons, get a drum. A little water, so today, yesterday, if I am right, or today, they are doing the baptism. Get a drum, fill it with water. Why? Why do you go to prison? Doesn't matter. Do you have favor? Favor, the favor of God surrounds us. Because in the world, we will think favor. If I have favor, I'll become an engineer. If I don't become an engineer, only a technician, then I don't have favor. Who told you? If I become a doctor, I have favor. Otherwise, I have no favor. Who told you? Who told you all these things? Who told you? That's what I said. We see everything with worldly eyes. We are not able to see the kingdom of God. That's why we have to hear the word and the testimonies over and over again. Like I said, as we go to communion, once more I will repeat that testimony that really, really, it was at Tawang. Tawang, if you know, is in Arunachal Pradesh, one of the remote military posts in the northeast, up over there. And there was this Lance Nayak. If you know Indian army, you can't go lower than that. If you go lower than that, you will hit the ground. The lowest soldier rank is what? Lance Nayak. This Lance Nayak was orderly in officers. That's what Lance Nayaks do. Carry the children's cricket kit, carry the memes of shop bags and he joins the army to fight for the nation but that's not what he does he carries these things okay understand don't go by the flyers what happens is a different reality this is a lance nayak he's got one little room has a quarter over there beside the officers quarters over there but that man is a believer and he's an anointed believer monday to saturday he's lance nayak he does all this sunday it's a different thing you see a crowd at his room all the people standing in line so that he would pray over them. That was a different reality. That was the kingdom of God. And some of the people who knelt before him were officers with ranks, kneeling before him with stars and a collar. That's a different reality. That's the kingdom of God. That's what I'm talking about. Destiny. You and I have to fulfill the destiny of God. There in the kingdom it matters. Because we see with early eyes, we'll only see favor has important position, succeeding salary figures. We see all this as favor. No, the devil can give it to you. No big deal. He offered more than that to Jesus. You worship me, I'll give you all the nations of the world in a shot. He said, I'll give it to you. It's mine to give. All these things doesn't mean you have favor with God. Favor with God is connected with righteousness. Did you seek righteousness? God says favor shall be like a shield. That's what it's talking about. The palm tree flourishes in the desert. Where nothing else can thrive, the palm tree thrives. Twelve months a year it thrives. God says that's what my people are called to be. To thrive in the most hostile circumstances. Betrayed by people, abandoned by people, all kinds of things can happen. But God says you will still thrive. Because God is with you. That's the promise. God is with you.
That's the kind of people God is raising up in the last days because the world is even more, even more getting hostile. And we need palm trees. Mango trees will be cut down. Apple trees will shrivel. We need palm trees. Those who are planted in the house of God, whose roots have gone in very, very, very deep into the word, that even their very soul is nourished by the very life of Jesus Christ. So this morning, our first Sunday of the 10th year, even as we come to communion, it's time to reflect back and ask ourselves, what am I? Some have crossed 10 years, some 8 years, 9 years, whatever, how many years. You need to ask this question. In the kingdom of God, let us use a simple worldly term. What is my utility value? Am I being used more now or less? Has I shrunk in the kingdom of God or have I increased of use in the hands of the living God? Because scripture says in the book of Timothy, in a noble house, there are many kinds of vessels, some for noble, some for ignoble. If a man or a woman cleanses himself or herself, he can be a vessel of honor in the master's hands. That is what happens when you seek righteousness. You become a vessel of honor. Your utility only increases. Only increases. In Jacob's house, Joseph was only used to take care of his brethren. In Potiphar's house, Joseph was only used to take care of the household. In the prison, he was used to take care of all the prisoners. You see, his utility is only increasing even in spite of the hostility he is going through. Finally, he is put in charge of Egypt. Not only take care of Egypt Times are plenty, but when famine came, he's taking care of the entire world who is sent to Joseph. His utility is only increasing. That's what God is saying. That's your destiny. That's your destiny. You will only increase and increase and increase because that is the call of God for every child of his. That's what he told his disciples. You see all this and you are all flummoxed? He says, greater things than these you shall do. If Jesus walked and they touched the hem of his robe and people got healed, when Peter walked, his shadow healed people. He said, I am a father who will have keep nothing back from my children who walk in obedience and righteousness because I get my joy when I see my children do well. You have to believe. Lord, here I am. The tenth year is here. I just want to be a vessel in your hands. I don't care what the world says about me. I care what you say about me. Use me to the maximum. Here I am. Even in the old age, scripture says, even in their old age, they bear fruit. Even in the old age, they bear fruit. That is the public symbol of the man who ate the word of God. Brought the very word of God to mankind. Moses, scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, if I am right, or 32, it will say about Moses. Moses was 120 years old when he died. And his eyes were as strong, his ears were as strong as the day of his youth. Why? Because this was a man who was planted in the house of the Lord. So there is a physical representation given to him. Even in his old age, he's bearing fruit. He's bearing fruit. And it's the days before he's about to die, you have him prophesying over Israel and says, Here, O Israel, this is what the Lord says. He's still bearing fruit, which is still we are studying and meditating upon. Jacob 
The day he's about to die, scripture says, stood up and he called his children and said, come, O sons of Jacob, hear what Israel has to say. And he prophesies over his 12 children, 12 tribe, the nations, and the prophecies are still coming to pass. And Hebrews 11.21, if I'm right, will says, Jacob leaned on his staff and blessed his people. What is he doing? He's an old man bearing fruit even on the day of his death. God says, because you are rooted in the house of God. We don't die. We sleep in Christ. But even before we fall asleep, we still bear fruit. Because we are called to bear fruit. Because Jesus said, when you bear fruit, it is for the glory of the Father. Shall the elders also please come. Keep that in your heart. As you go back home, the righteous shall flourish. They shall flourish. As we go to communion, please allow the Spirit of God to minister to our hearts. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. This is the table of divine favor. This is the table instituted to remind us every time we come together in your name that God judged sin in his son so that his children could be justified and be proclaimed righteous. This is a table that brings healing. This is a table that brings deliverance. This is a table that enables us to continue to seek your righteousness. This is a table of divine favor. I pray, Father, that we understand the true meaning of this cup that you have instituted. Because you said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me, Father. Help us to see the spiritual meaning of today. Help us to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. All of our heart. Put it before everything else. So that even today, We go from your house knowing we are forgiven. Knowing that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. And the very body of Christ has empowered us to continue to seek your will and walk in your ways. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Be with us when as we partake of these emblems. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please keep the emblems in your hand and we shall partake of it together. Jesus, my
we come to the close of the service like we keep saying and you hear over and over again don't put the cart before the oxen if you want the cart to move without effort the oxen has to be at the front if you put the oxen at the back you will find it's a very tedious life for the cart to move from point A to point B god said seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and these things shall be added unto you if you put seeking the things in the front and righteousness for one day a week you may be saved but you will be miserable all your life and even more miserable when he appears we are not called to live by imputed righteousness alone we are called to grow in righteousness in second peter the last reference for today chapter 2 7 and 8 talks about a man who only had imputed righteousness and god delivered him to from judgment everybody who has the imputed righteousness of jesus christ on the day of judgment you will be delivered because you have the righteousness of christ in you he delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds is called righteous here he is called righteous here and is called righteous here three times god calls so when god says somebody is righteous three times he is righteous but he is the example of the man who came through the fire he went after the world and the things of the world he acquired it all but on judgment day he lost it all not only did he lose it all he lost half his family too understand there are two righteousness in the bible that saves one is the righteousness imputed righteousness of christ you will come through second is if you grow in the righteousness of christ when judgment comes it has no effect on you not only do you go across scripture says your works also will follow because those were works of righteousness the trap the devil does with believers is to get you caught into the life of lot see the world see the glitter of the world and start building up in this world and god says don't you know a day of righteous judgment is coming and the tragic thing is not for you it is for your family and it's for your neighbors when you know judgment is very close and at knocking at the door when you try to tell the people judgment is here come with me they will laugh at you saying that if you know judgment is here then why do you live in our midst like this even his sons in law laughed at him that's what scripture says because how do we live in the light of judgment that's why jesus said seek the righteousness of god seek ye first the righteousness of god his kingdom don't worry about things whatever is needed to fulfill your destiny in god's kingdom it will be added it will be added supernaturally absolutely supernatural you don't have to worry about it you don't have to work for it you just have to work for the lord it will be added that's what the bible proves that's what the gospels prove 
doesn't matter the need is small the need is big it doesn't matter it will be met by god it will be met by god promise you by the authority of scripture and from experience it will be met by god don't have to worry god has never called a man or a woman to live his life and do his work at his expense no he says at my expense at my expense but the saddest thing of believers they are struggling slogging and working and yet they are not putting the kingdom first putting the kingdom first put the kingdom first put his righteousness first and see how the rest flows into your life there's an enormous joy of living day to day knowing god is with you and his favor is surrounding you like a shield many other plans of the wicked ones the enemy the powers of darkness and their co-workers on earth but god says it shall not touch you it will not touch you fly by the night day or night it will not it will not when you die it will be on my appointed day they cannot kill you they cannot god children are not killed they cannot be killed jesus himself said you cannot kill me i will lay down my life and i will pick it up on the other side he was the perfection of righteousness see those things because we live a life inside which is already overcome death even death has been swallowed by victory do not be aimless young people you need to have very clear focus very clear vision what is that you what is does my father want me to be what do you want me to be lord what is the call your call upon my life what do you want me to be i want to be first this i want to be a palm tree i want to be a tree that is planted in your house i want to bear fruit till the day i leave lord i look at abraham i look at isaac i look at jacob lord my start wasn't good i didn't have abraham start i didn't have isaac start lord most can identify my start was like jacob lord i want to finish like jacob i don't want to finish like abraham i don't want to finish like isaac i want to finish like jacob That's why the nation is not called Abraham the nation is not called Isaac the nation is called Israel Israel means prince with God and prince with man what does it mean he had both favor with God and favor with man That was one man who met God face to face and wrestled with God and his old age when he is taken to Egypt and Joseph takes him to the Pharaoh scripture says Jacob blessed Pharaoh and walked away from his presence can you think a hebrew blessed pharaoh why because it's only the greater who blesses the lesser it doesn't matter what you have on your head pharaoh in god's sight i am the one who is greater that is jacob you know what jacob was a liar a deceiver a thief everything how does he end by blessing the world blessing the nations destiny that is destiny This morning shall we stand shall we look to the lord all those who comfortably slept can wake up now including andrew shall we look to the lord father this morning we come to you we need a touch 
from you lord there are many here in this house in this hall who are struggling struggling with their flesh they're struggling with the world but you are the answer you are the answer your word promises us that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus we are hidden in Christ our life is hidden in Christ we are complete in Christ i pray today father somebody somebody would go from his hall free somebody would be delivered from the cravings of the flesh somebody would be delivered from the glitter of this world somebody would be saved and delivered from self from the prominence they are seeking in this world somebody because you came to set the captives free many other captives of the enemy i pray your healing will flow touch infirm bodies and as they seek your righteousness so will flow your healing into their hearts into their bodies because you have promised in your word the son of righteousness shall rise over your lives with healing under his wings i pray somebody will take it as their promise today lord i need healing and i'm not going to search for healing i'm going to search for righteousness because your word says oh lord righteousness shall rise over my life with healing under his wings somebody needs protection and i pray father they will seek righteousness and they will see your favor is a shield around them you are the answer touch speak to your people lord stand here as a church help us to arise of our slumber walk in your ways and know that god is god thank you father speak your blessings over your people and over every ministry that is represented in this church the worship team the ones who pray the ones who go to the hospitals the ones who go to the old age homes the ones who take of care of orphans oh father i pray you would bless every hand and every hand would be a blessing to even more this coming year bless us oh lord to be a blessing lord that's all we ask thank you thank you father go before us make our crooked paths straight walk with us that we may know our life our very life is united with you Thank you thank you Father. Now Father by faith as a church we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you Father. For in Jesus name we pray. Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.